Blog Talk Radio. goodness that was a short that was a short introduction <laughs> welcome to vibe time with jerry i have dc or work hanging on the other line i hope i said that that his last name right because i always mess up people's names anyway welcome to the live feed on facebook and welcome to the to the callers that are listening um on the air with vibe time with jerry a little bit about dc i investigated with him and matthews um but he is a man of many hats, and he has his own podcast for the paranormal, and he is also um, a tour guide. He does ghost tours out in Williamsburg um, for the original uh, ghost tours in Williamsburg. So he's got about 14 years' experience, and I had the pleasure of being able to meet him uh, at Old House Woods and Matthews when Savannah from Underground Paranormal did her fundraiser out there or her event out there. So that was when I was finally able to meet him in person. So I'm so happy that he's able to be on my show. Um, So following my show is going to be um, the freaking awesome show with Ryan Jones and Ange Park. I don't know why I'm at a loss for words this evening. Most of the time I won't shut the hell up. And they are going to be talking to John Clem. So that will be at 9 o'clock. So without further ado, I don't want to take up too much of my airtime. So here we go. Maybe. Let's see. DC, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm fine. I'm stumbling for words, so Sorry. Uh, it's okay. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be from that. I got um, a day piercing today to try to stop some of this dizziness to see if it worked and the migraines that I was getting on a daily basis. So I was like, well, let me go ahead and get that pierced. So maybe that's stumbling my words today. I don't know. Most of the time I'm okay and I'm not at a loss for words like I am right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows? It could be the case. Yeah, it could be. Well, I originally, I mean, I've seen you on Facebook and I've seen you in paranormal groups, but I I had the opportunity to investigate with you in Matthews at Old House Woods, and that was a lot of fun investigating with you. I hope that I'm able to do that again. 
Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a good good time. I, I enjoyed myself, and it was very nice finally being able to meet you, you know, off of Facebook and yeah. social media, and getting getting to investigate with you. Yeah, it, it, we we had a good time. We'll have to do that again sometime, or I'll have to come out to Williamsburg on one of your tours. Yeah, absolutely. But those your your tours don't uh, every I know there's been a couple of tours that I've been to in Williamsburg and they just sell out so quickly. Yeah, uh, it re- it really depends on what type of tour that you're looking for. Um, the company I worked for, the original Ghost, uh, excuse me, the original Ghost Tour, um, we've got a few different options with you know uh, different stories and. Uh, different things that you can do, like from a walking tour to a river cruise to a, a full-on ghost hunt. I mean, we kind of cater to everybody, which is very nice. Okay. Um, so, like, when you do the ghost hunt, is that involving equipment? Yeah. Um, so, starting, what was it, um, June 1st, uh, we actually launched a, a revamped extreme tour, and that basically involves um, your tour guide, which is me, uh, taking you around to several of the most notoriously haunted places in Williamsburg, uh, giving you a little bit about the history, telling you some brief things that have happened to people there, and then pulling out equipment and allowing you to do a mini paranormal investigation at that site. Okay, that's awesome. Um, can you tell me when those run? I mean, when do your when do those tours run, and can you give me a rough estimated cost of those? Yeah, sure. Um, so the extreme tour runs every Friday and Saturday night. Um, we okay. kept the we kept the tour size at 15 just to make it more of a, an intimate um, tour. You know, that way we don't have 40 people and a bunch of screaming kids and stuff like that. Um, right. And then it is uh, $23. Okay. And, and what time does that start? That starts at 9.30. And it is okay. a and it, it's a three hour tour. Okay. Yep. You can cue the Gilligan's Island theme song if you want. <laughs> now is when you're <laughs> when you um are is that actually a meeting at like Duke of Gloucester? Where do you meet at for that? Um, so for the, for that particular tour, we meet in front of the Capitol Building, which is um, okay. at the east end of Duke of Gloucester Street. Okay. And isn't there there that little um, ticket booth? Like you have to go purchase your tickets ahead of time, right? So with regards to tickets, um, if you go to theghosttour.com, you can find all your ticket information there, days, times, price, um, you know, whether or not you can get a military discount if you're military uh, or public safety, which the answer is yes. Um, But all your 
ticket ticket information will be right there. Um, if you okay. want to purchase like a, a ticket for Colonial Williamsburg, then you would do that through the ticket office. Gotcha. Okay, so ghosttours.com. Theghosttour.com. Tour, okay. Tour, yep. sorry. I wrote down uh, tour the first time. Dippy. Must be having a blonde moment. Because <laughs> I might just have to, I might just have to grab my friend um, and come up there. I'll have to grab Marjorie and make her come with me. Oh, okay, yeah, definitely. <laughs> we we've been to well. Marjorie worked in Williamsburg for for many 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 years. She um, did all the costumes. Like, you know, what you see the people in, like, people that, that's what she did um, for many years, and she retired from that. Oh, okay. So she was there. Very nice. Uh, yeah. So she knows, yeah, the, I, like, the history. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, um, I actually used to be a historical interpreter uh a few years back in the historic area, so I had to wear the costumes. I, I'm very well versed in that. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all might even um, you may you may know her if you see her because um, a lot of people know her there. So okay, yeah, it's certainly possible, and if not, then I imagine we we know a lot of the same people. Oh, I'm sure you do. I'm I'm sure that. Um, Tell me a little bit about your, or go over, because, you know, some people are familiar with, you know, different things. I wrote down all the information in regards to the ghost tour, because, not just because I'm interested in, in doing it, but, you know, other people may not know, you know, other people may not know about it. So, um, can you talk a little bit about your podcast show? Sure. Um, so... Pretty much um, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic last year, I uh, I was just starting to come to work for the ghost tour company that I'm currently working for in Williamsburg, and all of a sudden we were being told, uh, we're not going to be able to let you on the streets for a few months, and I'm going, crap, okay, what am I going to do? And uh, a friend of mine suggested that I start a podcast to kind of help keep my storytelling game sharp. I said, you know, that's a really good idea. Um, so I sat down. I basically said, okay, I need a name. And I came up with a name, uh, which is Hauntingly Yours, um, which is a homage to L.B. Taylor Jr., who wrote the Ghosts of Tidewater series. Um, mm-hmm. he, used to always, he used to always sign his books hauntingly yours and that i i got an autograph from him uh one year at bush gardens and i remember i always remembered the way he signed it and i said that's the name of my show right there <laughs> because that's I'm awesome a, yeah because i'm a tour guide but i'm also a paranormal investigator so basically i took what i was doing on tours and applied it to a podcast where i would focus on a specific location from anywhere in the world um, give you the history behind it, and then all of the hauntings, and you know, I'd throw in a couple of stories. That is really cool. And what days? Yeah. What days are your podcast? 
Um, so I've been releasing episodes every Monday. I'm on I'm on the second season right now. Um, I'm just okay. coming back off off of a break um, because I was busy uh, creating the Extreme Ghost Tour uh, for the tour company. So I'm throwing myself back into my podcast. This season, I will say I've I've kind of branched out a little bit. I've decided to focus more on like haunting stories, not just of places, but also uh, people and objects and, you know, because there are so many worthwhile stories out there that deserve to be told. And I feel like that's, that's my job as a, you know, as a storyteller to look for those types of stories and make sure I keep them alive for people. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's funny because there's a lot of stories out there. I mean, even down to when we went to Old House Woods and, you know, did the investigation there, you got really good evidence there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, so, old, House, old House Woods and I go way back. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So, um are you uh, how many you used to do investigations there too, right? If I remember. Mhm. Yeah. Um, Didn't you at one? Point? I I used to quite extensively, and uh, had a couple of, um, I guess we'll say traumatic incidents that took place that kind of um, made me take a few steps back, and I decided not to come near it for a decade. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you yeah. want to share those? <laughs> um, well, yeah. So I, I mean, I guess you know we can we can start at the very beginning. Um, it's like the, my very first experience in Old House Woods was kind of wild because I had never been there before, but I knew I knew all about it through you know the the books by L. B. Taylor, you know, and I absorbed all that folklore. And uh, a friend of mine asked me one night, uh, we were working at this little cafe in Matthews uh, called Bartlett's. We were closing up. He said, hey, do you want to go ghost hunting? And I said, you know, I've always been interested, but I've never done it. And he said, well, you you don't really need anything, flashlight, audio recorder. He said, we should go after work. And I said, okay. So we drove down to Old House Woods, and he took me dead into the woods um, parked his car off to the side of the road and encouraged me to get out with him. Next thing you know, uh, he's sitting on the road and he's telling me he's going to astral project. And I said, you're going to what? And he explained the process to me. And I said, okay, um, what, what do you want me to do? He said, well, I'm going to leave my body, so I need you to be my eyes and ears and let me know if anything comes out and tries to attack me. And... Hmm. I'm just sitting here looking around for like five to 10 minutes, wondering what on earth I'm doing because I felt ridiculous. And all of a sudden I heard what sounded like somebody walking through the woods toward us. And my eyes darted in the general direction. And I could see a little bit because the moon was coming down uh, pretty decently on us. And sure enough, I saw what looked like hands, like pulling tree branches back, you know, someone clearing out a, a good good enough path to where they could walk through the woods without any problems. And I never took my eyes off this. My hair stood up on the back of my neck. I remember that so vividly. 
And a few seconds right. later, whoever it was, they they came out of the woods and they weren't a person anymore. They were this, like, it was like a black cloud of vapor. That's the best way I can describe it. Floated out of the woods now over the ditch bank and they hovered above the road for a few seconds. And then they transformed into the shadowy figure of a man. And I stood there looking at this. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I'm seeing a guy that's probably about six, a good six feet tall. I can make out what looked like a tricorn hat and some kind of heavy overcoat. And I, I won't hesitate to say I, I, I took off running. I yelled at my buddy uh, after I yelled <laughs> at him. I said, hey, man, come on. Let's get in the car. <laughs> you, you entice somebody to come out and meet us. And uh, he was right. oh, wow, oh, okay. So I took off to the car, and I opened the door, jumped in the back seat, and I started looking out the back windshield, and here he comes full blast running at the car, and he's screaming his head off, and right as he gets to the trunk, I see him turn really quick, and there's another guy standing there with him, and he throws him into the car. And the two of them end up actually fighting um, from what I could see. There was a definite struggle. And then I saw my, my friend throw a punch. And then he turned around, jumped in the car. I mean, I thought he was going to have a heart attack, but he started the car and we drove off. And I remember I looked out the back windshield the entire way out of that woods, you know, my heart in my throat pretty much. And, I saw this guy now, this shadow shadow man, uh, who was illuminated by the light of the moon, and I could tell he was a, he was a pirate. Uh, I mean, down to the very letter. I mean, he was a, he was a pirate, and he gave up, you know, after a while because I think he realized he couldn't keep up with the car. But then six more men started to show up slowly behind him, all dressed like pirates, and they were all illuminated by the light of the moon. Oh wow. Yeah, that was my that was my very first up close and personal encounter um, with the paranormal thing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it was an experience like that that made me curious to keep coming back to Old House Woods. But the more experiences I had like that, the more I realized that the woods had some kind of odd affection for me, and that I should probably not. Come come by nearly as much. <laughs> right, right. I can understand that. Yeah. And, and most of the time, when we investigate, well, when Kimberly and I go down there, we stay on the road. We just mm. we just notice on the road. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it's like I if that story I just shared. I've I I can't tell you how many people I've told that story over the years, and everyone's like, "Oh man, are you sure you weren't high?" or is that the beginning of a you know a horror movie or something? Uh, but I mean you know that that's a true story that actually did happen, and you know it. Oh, I, I bet it did. I mean, uh, you yeah. know, I'm I'm I don't doubt one second that you had that experience there at all because even you know there was I know when Kimberly and I was investigating one night we had a couple people with us and there was a black shadowy figure that she was seeing and it was almost like it was 
like slithering, trying to sneak up on us. And, um, you know, so I don't, I don't doubt there's so many things that, that have happened there. So I, I fully believe what you're telling me. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, um, I had a conversation with, uh, Tony Bruschi from the Grave Talks. I don't know if you've ever heard of that show. Um, but uh, he and I were talking about that um, particular scenario, and he actually made a, an interesting suggestion I had never thought of. He said, you know, what if your friend, while he was astral projecting, conjured this up himself? And I said, you know, that's a, that's a definite possibility. Um, one I've never thought of, but it's certainly a, an interesting theory to run with. Right. But, yeah. But, I mean, that, for me, you know, cast, casting the astral projection aside, I mean, that was one of the most real experiences I've ever had. And, I, you know, I can honestly say that experience is kind of what um, – put me on the path to investigating the paranormal, you know, looking for answers as to why these types of things happen to people. And if, you know, if a, if a spirit or an entity, or even if it's an inhuman entity um, is trying to make contact, you know, figure out who they are and what they want and why they are at these locations. Right. You know, it makes me think that next time I go out there, I have a tricorn hat <laughs> that we actually um, had to make for, like, Founders Day. So we were wearing tricorn hats that we had handmade out of fabric. And I'm just wondering if, just to experiment with, I'm wondering if that could be used as a trigger object. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've actually been toying with a, a similar idea myself because I, I, you know, I actually have a, a, a degree in theater. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a stage actor, film actor at heart. Um, so, you know, I try to do like different types of, you know, role playing almost to kind of trigger paranormal activity right. in certain locations. And um, one thing I've actually been toying with, I've discovered the the public jail in Williamsburg actually um, held pirates at one point, and I have actually made contact with um, the spirits of some of these pirates that were held there, and I'm trying to, you know, slowly but surely, like, put together, like, a full-on uh, pirate costume. I mean, I've got long hair. I've got a beard. I just get the costume, right. and I can do a little bit of, you know, uh, pirate role play and try to lure these guys into talking with me and making them think I'm, you know, just, just another Joe who sent, is being sentenced, you know, by the high court for uh, committing piracy. Oh, that's cool because that's like a good theory. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I could get away with, even trying to dress up like that because I'm wondering if they're intelligent enough to say, hey, that's a female. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, and it's interesting because the thing with pirates, you know, you, you had men and women um, that were doing that, but, you know, in terms of just dressing up and trying to pretend to be somebody or not, I mean, 
I guess it really depends on the type of spirit that you come across and, you know, like you said, whether they're intelligent enough to pick up right. on that. Um, I actually I was on an investigation um, this past Saturday night at the uh, old jail in Warrington, Virginia, and mm-hmm. the team I was with, they some of the guys were doing a little bit of role play in the maximum security cell area where one of them went in the into a cell and closed the door and the other guy was being the guard and he took out his keys and, you know, he was making all sorts of noise and talking trash to him, um, trying to trigger uh, some activity. And they got some decent EVPs, but you could tell by listening to the EVPs that the spirits, like after a a minute or two, were like, "Uh, this isn't real. We're done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I know, um, like Kimberly and I had went down to Old House Woods not too long ago, and um, I always have my body cam running when I go. No matter where I'm at, I just wear it. It's habit. And we actually, when we were, we did cut on the Necrophonic app, but we actually got like an ARG, you know, a, a pirate saying ARG, and um, um, talking about coins. But the bad thing was that it killed my battery and my body cam, and I knew I had charged it before I left because I um, I had it hooked up to my computer because I was transferring videos over, so it automatically charges when it's on there. But it just, I mean, my whole battery just died in my body cam, so I didn't get that proof that I, you know, because I like to get my proof and record it, document it. So I was kind of missed that, you know, remember that one spot we went to where the fence is and the guy just kept getting drawn to that one part of the fence? Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, that's where that's where we got that at. And um, like I said, my body cam, and it was funny because it even showed the red light being on and blinking and it wasn't on. It was like dead. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yes, I was pretty. I was pretty mad because we've never, at least I know, I'm sure Kimberly has gotten a lot of stuff like that, but I've never just heard somebody just come right out and say "arg," you know. And I was just yeah. like, "That's wild." <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have the yeah. documented evidence because my body cam died, and it just pissed me off. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny in that situation. I wonder if, you know, pirates actually said arg or if it was more of a, okay, human, I'll entertain you, arg. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It just, I mean, I know there's intelligent spirit there. Um, and I know that if I, if I try to dress up I just, I just, I just know that they would know I'm a female. I just know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They so, would probably see, see, see through the charade. Yeah, they probably would, and they'd be like, "Oh, go away. We know who you are, Blondie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hey, my name down there. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm gonna have to think of a pirate name, and maybe, you know figure out how to how to dress up but I got a feeling that they'd be able to distinguish the difference because there are there's just intelligent spirit out there it amazes me mm-hmm. yeah. you know so, 
it said in your bio that you um, were working on some books. Yeah. Um, so basically, I'm going to. Oh, I've, I've got two different things going. I'm actually um, in the process of writing. A, I guess you could say a, a memoir uh, of my career as a ghost tour guide um, because I've been telling ghost stories professionally for six years now, um, going on seven. And I've had a lot of very profound and interesting experiences um, at some of these locations that I stop at and talk about with people and spirits come out and try to interact with me while I'm in the middle of telling stories. Um, so before you know it, you know, a, an entire story has been born right there on the spot. And the more it happens, you know, I've been like recording it and I'm at the point where I have a book for me. So, yeah, um, that's in the works. And then I'm doing a uh, book um, in homage to my to my podcast. So that will be called Haunt Only Yours. Uh, and it will be a collection of ghost stories uh, from across the world. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So tell me about some of your experiences that you've had as a, like, tour guide. And, I mean, what have been some experiences out there? Because, like, I mean, I Randolph House is my favorite spot. Oh, yeah. That in the cemetery. You know, so have you had any experiences there? Uh, at at the Peyton Randolph House? Yes. Yeah. Um, they uh, they love me there quite a bit. Um, every every time I come there, you know, they start interacting with the devices before I can even like really get set up. And um, I've actually had conversations with the peachy children uh, who died in the fire in that house in 1839 and we um, they respond really well to uh, flashlight sessions Um, they love answering questions like that and we've done um, Estes method there and we've gotten some like really really interesting stuff Um, we had a we had a young woman on a tour one night under doing that and she was talking with a female spirit who was trapped in the house while the fire was blazing and was describing how hot it was in the house and she was trapped and she was worried about the children and I was just like it it, it was it was really really interesting but very very creepy at the same time and I know the yeah. uh, the group and I felt bad that we couldn't really help you know um, we kept right. trying to get her to like make a sound, like knock on the window, you know, let us know where you are. Um, but she just kept saying, "The children, the children, help the children." Um, so hopefully, I'll be able to do that at some point. But the um, I'm trying to think of some. So actually, December this past December. Um, I went out on the 21st with a couple of friends because apparently the the veil is supposed to be super thin at that time of the year um, from what I've learned. And I went out there and just did a basic spirit box session. 
And I had a bunch of uh, spirits of enslaved people that used to be bound to the Peyton Randolph house reach out to me through Spirit Box. And, you know, I started asking, you know, how many were there. They said there were eight of them. Uh, They said they were trapped and they couldn't move on. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I should try and help them go. You know, and right. I I pulled out a, a release prayer that I knew, and I told them that I was going to I was going to pave the way for them to leave, and I was going to say a prayer. If they wanted, they could say it with me, but I needed them to listen to every word, and at the end, the, they sh- they should see the light ideally and go toward the light, or even go, go toward the dark, be with their friends and family, and kind of put everything else behind that they're. Their mission at this place is done. And I said the prayer, and the entire time I was doing the prayer, I kept hearing over the spirit box, beautiful, thank you, yes, let's go. And I got to the end, and I said amen, and there was there was not a thing coming through, no, no words at all. And I said, if there are any other spirits lingering around here now, can you can you tell me – if these spirits crossed over to the other side and I got the confirmation a, a male answered they're gone and oh wow that was my, yeah that was my first time doing that and it, it, it absolutely blew me away but it felt incre- incredibly good at the same time that's wild <laughs> yeah I, I mean it was it was very wild, um, but yeah, that's probably the most profound thing I've ever really had happen there. Um, I mean, it's like there there's a colorful cast of characters when it comes to the you know the resident ghosts of that place, um, and they all have their own unique personalities. One night, I asked them how many spirits are in the house, and they told me there were twenty seven. And, oh, I, wow. and I just said, if that if that's anywhere near accurate, it 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 makes sense to me um, because right. I chatted with so, so many of them, and they're all there for various reasons. Um, just when I think you know I've met every one of them, another one pops up. That's wild. I bet you that's like mm-hmm. just Williams itself in that area is very interesting to do research yeah. at. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, they call it the historic triangle for a reason. You know, Williamsburg, Yorktown, Jamestown. I mean, that entire area is just soaked in history. And there are so many, you know, spirits that were left behind and forgotten about. And I think some of them, they just want to be remembered. Right. Right. I agree with you on that. And you know, and I know with Williamsburg, there there are some there who get they get pissed off pretty much because the the foundation, you know, they choose to interpret only certain periods of history, you know, involving a particular property, and they're like, well, hey, what about me? Why aren't you talking about my house? You know, when I lived here, um, there was actually a. There's an incident where a, um, a psychic medium actually came to dinner at Chowning's Tavern one night, 
and she was having a you know a perfect dinner, and she ended up bumping into the spirit of a uh, a 18th century cabinet maker named Peter Scott, and the end of the meal came. She went to pay the bill, and she grabbed the waitress by the hand. She said, "Honey, I've been having an interesting conversation with a gentleman gentleman named Peter. He's sitting." at the back table near the window, he's very, very sad. And the waitress said, well, why is that? And uh, she said, Peter's sad because the people you work for decided not to rebuild his house after it burned down. And that's, that's very interesting for me because, you know, I know the history. I went and looked. Peter Scott uh, was an 18th century cabinetry maker. He passed away in January of 1776. And oh, two wow. weeks after he died, yeah, two weeks after he died, uh, soldiers uh, from the Continental Army took refuge in his house. They got to horse plane and accidentally set the house on fire, and it burned to the ground. And later on down the road, sometime later in the 1950s, Colonial Williamsburg was excavating uh, the property where his house used to be. They found the foundations. They even found uh, chick- leftover chicken bones that the soldiers had the night they burned the house down, and they decided, eh, we're not going, going to rebuild Peter Scott's house. Instead, they rebuilt the house of one of his competitors named Anthony Hay. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there's some emotion there, you know? Uh, yeah. And, it's like a guy like Peter Scott, you know, he he worked his butt off, and um, even after he retired as a cabinet maker, he became a, a city councilman, and everybody loved him. I, I mean, everybody loved him, and he passed away at 80 years old, but history chose not to remember him and just kind of swept his life under the rug. Oh, gosh. That's terrible, yeah. because I didn't even know anything about that. That mm-hmm. what you're you know the, what you're what you're talking about as far as that part of history that's 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 sad though yeah yeah so I mean you know you you get you get quite a few spirits like that in Williamsburg who are just like hey what's going on where's my house you know and they they're forced to kind of wander and find a place that holds some kind of special meaning to them. And I figure the reason why Peter Scott is in the, the tavern is because he holds some kind of special connection to it. You know, maybe he used to frequent there when he was alive or something like that. And he's like, well, I don't have a house. I might as well go hang out in the tavern and um, take in the atmosphere. That makes, I mean, that, that makes sense, though, that, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like I always so what, tours. They they all have yeah. some sort of story to tell. Well, I know when I went um when I went on the tour in the Randolph Payton house, none of my pictures really came out clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember it being very heavy going in there. It was just like heavy. You know, and but the photographs that I took on my first tour there were not, they were, every one of them came out blurry. Mm-hmm. You know, but I knew that there was, 
I knew I was being watched. I knew that they knew that I was a reader, if you will. They just knew that. Um, so they kind of stayed in, or I felt like they stayed in behind me. But there was just multiple feelings of spirit there when I went on that tour. And I, I, I know exactly what you mean because I've been I've been inside the Randolph House many times uh, over the years, mainly when I was a, a Colonial Williamsburg employee. But the the house inside and out has has this energy to it, and I mean you'll know it when they're watching you because they're always there. They're always there, and right. you know, if they if they realize that you can see them or you can hear them, then that makes them even more curious about you. Right. Right. And that's that's what I felt like being there during that tour. And just the fact of, you know, like I said, the first tour I, I went on, the pictures not coming out at all, just like a blur and I know that I took a good picture mm-hmm. you yeah, know I mean, and when I go ahead no no I was just trying to say I I always tell people on tours you know if, if your photographs don't come out the way they should it's the house telling you that you didn't ask permission yeah yeah because the house will let you know if it doesn't want to be photographed oh yeah I agree with you on that and that particular day, I was just, you know, on a tour, you know, not, you know, I had my, um, well, my kids didn't go into that one with me, to that particular tour with me, but, um, you know, I was just on your typical tour to, to hear, you know, to know about the history of it. Really wasn't sure. going there for, you know, any type of readings or, what could I pick up? Even though I knew I was being watched, I felt I was being watched. I knew there were multiple spirits there. And it was almost like some of the stuff that they were showing me was back in time because that happens with me ever so often where I can be standing in a historical spot and they'll just flash back just little blurbs of stuff that happened there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, no it, it, it definitely does. Yeah, so, you know, I would like to go back there again. I know Marjorie and I went there one night, and we were out late. I mean, I think her and I, we wanted to go on one of the tours, and it sold out. So I was like, fine, I'll just, I think all that I brought that night was my K2 meter, because that was the equipment, that was the piece of equipment that I started out with. And so we just was like, let's just go there really, really late. So we did. And I got a couple readings, you know, and she got some really good pictures of just like haze in front of the in front of the Randolph Payton house. She got some really good photographs that night that we went. Yeah. But gosh, we were out there forever. It seemed like. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I. So I can easily stay out there for hours talking to them, taking photographs and whatnot. Um, You know, sometimes they get so friendly with me that they invite me to come into the house 
and I I can recall a couple of instances where they've said the door's open, come on in, and I've been like, <laughs> how do I explain trespassing? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, because they will nail you there in a second. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean security. Yeah, and I I can say apparently I've talked to a security officer recently. He said that they've actually drawn back the, the property line a little bit. So now you can actually walk all the way onto the property. But if you step foot onto the staircases, then you're trespassing. Okay. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I've – I think last time when I went, I didn't go on the – I didn't even do the staircase part itself. I was I was wondering why they had, like, pieces of that roped off now, whereas before they didn't, because I can remember just walking straight up, but I just didn't go on that staircase part. Yeah. But I remember yep. going to walk all the way up, and then when I went up there, again, it was, like, roped off, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's basically to just deter people from going up there. Yeah, yeah. So I figured it was part of their poor stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and that could be the the case, too, because depending on what time of the year it is, you know, you you do get a lot of field trips and school groups that come through there. So you got to kind of funnel them into the house in a particular way just to kind of keep it orderly, so to speak. Yeah. Right. They yeah, because there's. That. I remember those days. Oh yeah, I went out. I went out one time during the day, and you know, just trying to get some EVPs out there, and I couldn't because it was just there were so many groups of kids, you know, visiting on their field trip. I guess I hit field trip day, and I was like, "Ooh, I can't get anything." Um, and then I got tired, but I know Marjorie and I went out there one time, and it was late. We got there intentionally late. We wanted to do the tour. It sold out. So I was like, fine, we'll do our own our own investigations because I know people go out there and investigate too. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'll, I, I bump into ghost hunters all the time while I'm out there doing tours. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I'll, I'll chat with them and be like, hey, what, you know, what'd you get? Um, you know, and I'll tell them, give them tips on like, you know, certain spirits that they can try and make contact with. Um, yeah, because like I, I know, for example, at that house, a lot of people think in terms of the, the, the timeline that the house goes straight from the, the Randolphs to the Peachy family, but you never hear anything about the family in between, which was the, the Hornsby's. And the Hornsby family is a very, very old family in Williamsburg. Um, you know, you, everybody usually thinks of Bruce Hornsby, the singer. Uh, yeah, that's that Hornsby family. I mean, they've been around a long time. But there are quite a few spirits from the Hornsby family that are dwelling in that house. That's wild. Yeah, and uh, I know that the one of the sons, uh, Joseph Jr., I've actually talked to him uh, over Spirit Box. All I can say is he's a laid-back guy. I said, Joseph Hornsby Jr. He said, yes. I said, wow, it's nice to meet you. He said, call me Joe. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Okay, Joe. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he sat, he sat right there and answered all of our questions. 
very, oh, that's very so cool. laid back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know it's like too hot right now. I wouldn't even go anywhere right now if I could. It's been so humid outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm actually um, preparing mm-hmm. here in a little while to go over to the public jail in Williamsburg and uh, do a live stream ghost hunt with the, some of my gang from the tour company. So yeah, I saw that on your Facebook earlier, so I might have to just stay up for that one. You're going to do a Facebook Live. Yeah, they've uh, they've been getting very hands-on with me at the jail here recently, so we'll see what uh, the night has in store for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be interesting. But I know, well, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure then it won't be too terribly humid. It's just... I mean, Kim and I haven't even been out to Old House Woods. It's just been so hot and humid. I haven't even ran equipment like I wanted to do out here just yet because it's just been so humid outside. Yeah. Yeah. Kimberly's on Facebook Live going, fall is great. Yeah, to an extent. (laughs) I mean, I like my hot weather, too. (laughs) I like the summertime. I mean, I can't tolerate the heat that much anymore, but, you know... Summertime is still one of my favorite times of the year because it just it doesn't get dark out. You know what I mean? It stays light out yeah. until about nine o'clock. So that's yeah, fine. Totally. It's still my favorite time of year. But I'm yeah. sure it'll be interesting what you're doing tonight. Yeah, we'll see who's lurking around out there. I've been um, making contact with some very interesting characters. I've met a few sailors. Um, we've actually gotten some really interesting um, historical information. We've been able to trace uh, vessels that they actually sailed upon. Uh, we've actually connected them to the Jamestown Fort of 1607. Um, so I'm really curious to see who I bump into tonight. I've, told, I've met pirates out there. Uh, I've met uh, a few different convicted murderers who were hung. Um, Met a, oh. met a few women out there, uh, which you didn't really have. You didn't hear a whole lot of um, cases with women in those days, but we do know there were a few that were tried for various things and held at the jail. So, yeah, one of them that always comes to mind, I've I've met her a few times doing tours. Uh, spirit, She's uh, named Abigail Briggs. Um, found out that in October of 1764, she um, she beat a, an enslaved man to death with a blunt kitchen object at the plantation where they worked because he was getting, how shall I put this, uh, handsy with her. And she grabbed the nearest thing available and beat his head in. Um, and oh, wow. She was, yeah, this was over in Accomack County. Um but they brought the case to Williamsburg, and they said, okay, she's a murderess, um, charged her with murder, and said she was to be executed immediately. But she, due to some, let's just say, miscalculations, ended up sitting in the jail for a year and a half, which was actually very uncommon. Um, most people would be in there a few months. She was in there a year and a half. 
And finally, the the governor at the time, he came across her case and he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, clearly this woman did this in self-defense. Why is she being convicted of murder? And he offered her a pardon, uh, but it took two months to get to Williamsburg, and finally they let her go and dropped the charges against her. But for whatever oh, reason, wow. she's back at the jail in spirit. That's weird. And that's what I need to find out. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, that is weird. It's an interesting case. Yeah, that sounds um, that sounds interesting to get some research on. I mean, the only mm-hmm. I know that there's a woman in a white dress out there that um, I was with my mom. We were actually leaving the next. I don't know the next road over from Duke of Gloucester, but you know where you can do that two-hour parking at or whatever. Yeah. Um, we were leaving, going down that road, you know, heading back to towards Newport News, and um, I came to a full stop because there was a woman in a white dress <laughs> with a stroller getting ready to cross the street. My mom was like, what are you stopping? I said, I need to stop for the lady. She's right there. And as soon as I said that, she dissipated. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> but she was so... She was solid, you know. She wasn't transparent. She was solid Uh in a white dress, pushing a black carriage. And you know, I told her, I said, I got. She's like, "What are you stopping?" And then I told her, and then it just went poof, like nothing. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. So I'll have to show you when I when I come out there. um, I'll have to show you where that happened at because it just. My mom just was like, what are you stopping for? And I'm like, the woman, she's trying to cross yeah. the street. And my mom's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> That's interesting. I've um, I've been actually having random encounters with ladies in white um, after I finished tours, which I don't know why they choose, you know, to wait until the end of the tour to um, come up and, you know, get my attention. But they've been doing it. And one of them, I actually think I, I might have figured out who she is um, because she has, whenever I see her and I capture, like I've captured her in photographs, she doesn't have feet. And oh. you know, she's just floating several inches above the ground. Um, we, I have uncovered in March of 1738 in that particular area in Williamsburg, there's a woman who excessively covered herself in the spirit of camphor, um, which was used to treat coughs and colds in those days. And uh-huh. she, put way, she put way too much on her skin, went up to bed, stripped down to her shift, which is, you know, an undergarment. And right. then in the middle of the night, uh, the liquids in her body fermented. And between that and the excessive oils on her skin, she self-combusted and caught on fire. And oh my God! The, yeah, I mean, this is legit. The last, uh, the um, the only thing that was remained of her by the time the fire, you know, extinguished itself, were her feet and her shin bones, and then three fingers from her left hand. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. Yeah. So I, you know, 
I'm inclined to think if there's a lady in white floating around without feet in that area, then it's probably the self-combustible woman. But yeah, probably right. I yeah. I won't make <laughs> that claim until I actually talk to her. <laughs> right. No, I agree with you on that. But that's just that's just really sad. To yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you can't make it up. It's it's very real. As unfortunate as it is. Yeah, that's true. That is true, but gosh, I can't even imagine that. (laughs) No, but I'm Uh, sure you've had a lot of... Yeah. I can only imagine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kimberly said poof. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We've yeah, we got I, about three minutes left on my show. Uh, time flies. It really does. Yeah, we've got about three minutes left to where we can where we can um, chit-chat before Ryan comes on with um, his guest, John Clem. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to actually talk a little bit more about Williamsburg and some of your experiences there, but I know I'm going to run out of time to do it. Well, we might have to do a part. A, I might have to bring you back and do a part two because it's Williamsburg and Duke of Gloucester. It just it's intriguing to me. Oh yes, I mean absolutely. I mean we could easily do a couple of hours on you know the history and hauntings of some of the locations around there. It's it's very, very intriguing stuff, and you know, I I know more more stories than the average Joe just because I'm a tour guide, obviously, and you know, and I've been doing this well, yeah. long enough. I I collect these things and I commit them to memory. Um, right. Know, for so. example, it's like there's a um, there's a house near the Capitol called the John Palmer House. We do know that um, a 19 year old lieutenant. Um, in the Union Army during the Civil War was stationed at that house, and he actually got shot in the face on the front steps by one of his own men, and he stuck there as a spirit, and he's unable to move on. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, I've, I've actually started to make contact with him here recently, so... I'm trying to slowly but surely get to that point where maybe he'll let me help him cross over because he keeps reliving the unfortunate events of what happened that day back in 1863, and it's awful. I mean, it's awful. Yeah, that's terrible. That yeah, you might have to do that. Um, I'm got. I know I'm going to have to get together with you on a date to come back soon because we got to do a part two, like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to do a part two, but I don't know how soon you want to come back. <laughs> we, we, we can talk, we'll talk about that offline. I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, open. we'll we'll talk about that offline because I got about fifty five seconds left. Um, there you go. Yeah, so I will message you offline. I know I have one opening still this month. That I wasn't going to open, but I but I can open it if you're open to it. If I message you that date, okay, all right. Is that okay? I'll take, you? I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll take a look at it and see if I'm available. Um, I've yeah. I've got a bunch of investigations and other paranormal activities going on this month, so 
Yeah, but okay. I'm sure we can make it happen. Okay, that will work. I'll message you in a, a, I'll give you the date in a second. Um, but I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about about the tours. I'm anxious to do a part two. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank you, and I hope you have a good night. You as well. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Hello, all you freaks out there. This is Ryan. Angie's here. 
Angie's here. She's in the kitchen making food. We got noodles and company for dinner. Actually, we got it for lunch, but uh, we're not getting around, getting around to eating it until now. So she got um, some weird zucchini noodles. I think they're called zoodles, which actually weren't that bad, to be honest with you. Kind of a, kind of enjoyed them. Had a little bit of a, a weird uh, texture to them, but, you know, if you used to eating noodles, then they give you zucchini and tell you they're noodles or zoodles. It takes some getting used to. But, you know, if you want a healthy kick and you want to eat vegetables uh, in the shape of noodles, I would recommend it. It's actually not bad. I hope everyone had a had a good weekend. Um, i trying to think of what I did this weekend that was worth talking about. Well, our friend Michael and uh, Kristen came over this weekend, and uh, we had a bunch of our friends from camp come over. We made hobo packs for dinner over the campfire. That was fun. Mine did not cook the right way, so it took me a while for it to be eat. But once it did eat, it was actually it was actually really good. Um, it was fun camp uh, cooking over a campfire. I was telling Angie this is like the first time I've actually felt like I was at camp because you got the campfire going, the campfire smell. It was it was pretty pretty awesome. Um, let's see. Huh. What else is there? Oh yeah, we've got an event on July 31st at the Cabin on 360. If anyone's interested in coming out, uh, from 12 to 4 we have a psychic fair, a spiritual fair at the Cabin. Holly Mullins is going to be there, my former uh, co-host and uh, healer, medium, psychic. Um, Holly Mullins is going to come out, and she's going to be doing readings for, I think, $30. And we'll have other people have tables set up there selling different trinkets and stuff, you know, stones and, you know, Reiki, Reiki things and, um, you know, anything spiritual that you want to get. You know, the candles and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff like stones. I guess it's stones, all a bunch of cool stuff. So we're selling that from 12 to 4. And then from, I guess, it starts at 6 o'clock. We'll be having the seance in the cabin. And then we'll be investigating the other houses, the um, the brick house and then the uh, in the woods, of course. Uh, bring bug spray because... The woods. I went. I was there. God, it was like two weeks ago. I went there with my son. We walked walked in the woods, and we got bombarded by mosquitoes. Um, hopefully it won't be that bad. Uh, in at the end of July, but <laughs> just in case, bring bug spray and you know dress appropriately. Take a sip of Pepsi here. So. July 31st is our big event, and then um, Eric Knapp has got an event coming up out there on August 14th. Very limited uh, as far as tickets are concerned. I think only 15 people are going to be invited to come out, or can you know can come out. Um, but Eric always puts on a great investigation. Um, He's been pretty much all over the country investigating some pretty awesome places. So it's uh, 
really cool that he wants to come out and investigate the cabin with us on the 14th. So I'm excited about that. I unfortunately will not be there. I'll be in North Carolina with the family on vacation. So, um, but I'm sure he's going to be out there. He's going to have a great time and uh, look forward to checking out the live streams from the, from the investigation. Now, I was watching a show yesterday on YouTube, and he was reacting to mukbang videos. <laughs> and he was oh, You know I hate that word. That's horrible. Mukbang. Or mukbang. But uh, I don't think it's – I sound like a kind of pretentious asshole when I call it – I call it mukbang. But she was watching this girl eat this, like, food, and I'll admit she was a good-looking girl. Right, but she had like five million subscribers. I don't care how good looking you are. Anyway, it was it wasn't like she was doing it like with with like no clothes on or whatever. It's just her face, and she's whispering and she's eating things really slowly and and just like the slurping sounds. It's so I don't see how anybody could get like enjoy that. Here, let me here. Let me put my record next to your mouth so you can see people can hear what I'm talking about. I know. I'm so hungry. You have to <laughs> I hope you cannot hear my chewing. We, we have an ASMR, ASMR mukbang going on here tonight. Oh, um, I'm for those of you turning in for, for John Clem, he'll be on I'm a second. I'm scared that you can hear me listening. chewing because we have on the, earbud, in the earbuds. Uh, to let, let's see if John hears you slurping up your noodles so there. embarrassing. <laughs> uh, well, so embarrassing. Huh? Hey, you we can have five million people listen to the show right now. I know, and here I am chomping down on some zoodle. Oh, well, we had we had a zoodle discussion earlier. Um, tonight we're talking to John Clem from Burning Daylight Paranormal. This guy, he goes on some crazy investigations by himself. Mm. He does stuff that I wouldn't do by myself. You know, like samples here in the cabin. I would I would definitely have reservations about staying at the cabin by yourself. By myself. I didn't eat your dinner. Uh, I don't like it. Why? I just get super full. They got. You uh, like it or you get super full? I guess it's, I guess they get super full. I got a uh, bowl of macaroni and cheese with pork barbecue on top, and they ate like five bites of it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm done. But go back to the introduction we had going on here. Uh, John Clem, he's a host of Burning Daylight Paranormal. He goes on some freaky investigations. Um. Interesting. I can't wait to hear about them. Okay, maybe I would do the cabin by myself, just not the brick rancher. I would want somebody there with me. I have not. Okay, never gonna stop talking about food. I'm just so hungry. Now he's now she, we got she got both bowls in front of her now. Come here, come here, come here for a minute. So, anyways, tonight we're talking to John Clem from Burning Daylight. See, we have we love our introductions for we get totally just totally like distracted by food here. Um, he's going to put John Clem on the show. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man. Hey, uh, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. How about you? Uh, you know what? We are good over here uh, eating zoodles <laughs> and uh, talking about mukbangs over here, you know, living the, living, the, living the good life. Yeah, I was thinking about expanding my channel into ASMR and mukbang. <laughs> Tell you what, man. You should do a mukbang at a haunted location. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. Eat some spicy noodles at a haunted location. Oh my god, dude! 
<laughs> see if I can hold it down. That would be that would that would be like but there would the need ultimate to be a like bathroom. combination, yeah, like <laughs> two worlds colliding right there. Because you watch I watch these videos, um, there's like ghost videos that people uh, compile like evidence, and they get like a million subscribers, and all they're doing is taking other people's evidence, editing it, and putting a voiceover over it, voiceover over it, and they got like two million subscribers. I'm like, do that, add food to it. Shit. There you go. I have to ask, can you hear me chewing? I cannot. I'm gonna be so embarrassed. Oh, I can't I can't hear you chewing. You can't and why no. are you saying? No. I'm just saying. Just, just because it was in my ear, like I was a little worried. No, no, you're not doing show, just me chewing trying to have much Dear John answering questions, now you're slurping in the I background. Know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry I missed you over at uh was it Pamplin Park? Did you come down for Pamplin right. in June? Yep. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. That was um that was a bad weekend. It was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. But, but you know it was Angie's birthday was that week, and then Rihanna's my daughter's birthday, and she graduated the same week, and then Father's Day it was just everything converged on that one weekend. So if any other weekend on the month of the month, I would have been able to come out there. But I am sorry yep. I missed it. Did you guys have a good time? Yeah, it was it was fun. It was a long night, um, and I got uh, I I didn't record any of the evidence, but I got some really good evidence um, when I was out there, and I got to you know work with some of the public who hadn't been out mm-hmm. ghost hunting before, or you know or other paranormal enthusiasts who haven't really been out. Um, so that was, it was a good time. Yeah, I, yeah, I love that place. I'm trying to get uh, Angie to come out with me one of these days. When, since our uh, son's getting older, it may be easier for us to be able to go out and do more of these investigations together. Um, yeah. But I don't think she's. I don't think she ever, she ever been out to. Uh, I've been, but I didn't investigate. Because remember we oh, went yeah. out that one night for the. We did. We said we ended up sitting in the parking lot talking to Dennis for like an hour, and then ended up yeah. going home because. I got beat. Yeah, Angie ended up getting sick oh. on the way down there. So. Uh, can we talk about like how you got started in the paranormal? Was you have any experiences when you were a kid, or how did this all this get started? So, uh, I'm not going to bore you with the long version. I'll give you the short version. Um, I mean, I was the long version did too. We have an hour to kill. Oh, okay. So, I'll give you the long version. So, 17 or 18 years old, um, and I lived. I moved into a place in Stafford, Virginia. Uh, into an apartment there. There's there are brand new apartments, and uh, we were the only people, the only family uh, that lived in the in this building, other than um, some Marines that were at the basic school, or or out just out of the basic school, that were all living together on the second floor, and we were on the third floor, and. Uh, mm-hmm. It started off real slow. I think it was a. I think whatever whatever inhabited that building or the land there was a malevolent spirit. Um, and I and I had no at the time I had no experience with spirits. Um, didn't really think about it too much. You know, um, everything was you know black and white basically. There was no gray areas. If it's not the cat moving the curtains or you know, if the noise isn't coming from another human being, then there is no noise, right? So, yeah, anyway, yeah. I lived in this place um, with my parents. 
and uh, my younger, my youngest sister, and it pretty much started off pretty simplistic. You know, you'd hear stuff in the closet. Um, you'd open the closet, nothing there. Uh, you, there were certain smells that you'd get in the house or in the in the apartment. Um, you know, you'd get like a a smell of, of like a cherry, strawberry type smell would come out come about, or you'd get a uh, like somebody was chopping onions. Um, and I mean, these smells would come about like you know late late at night, not during when people are cooking mm-hmm. or any of that stuff. And they were and they were pretty much just in one area. They were between uh, where my room was and 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 the hallway. Um, and other people in the house, my mom especially, would smell it. Uh, my dad, he was he was in the Marine Corps and he didn't believe in any kind of you know weirdo stuff. So he was like. I don't smell anything. Even if he, even if he did smell it, he would admit to it. Um, and then it, it, it gradually moved on from there where at night I would hear my name being called. And we're not talking about at night, like 9 p.m. We're talking like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. You'd hear your name clear as day. And I wasn't on drugs or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and, then it, and then it escalated from there where things would move around. You, you'd be certain that you put something somewhere and it would end up somewhere else or you'd be sitting there in the radio and we're talking this is 20 years ago um the radio would turn itself on and the stations would pull the different stations and this is a tuner not you know any of the newer digital type stuff um and it, it really freaked you out it could be a this is this place that i lived in it could be a completely sunny day outside but inside there was a black pall over the place all the time it was always dark in there um it was an oppressive type of feeling inside of the place um i liken the feeling of of that place of that apartment to the the feeling i get when i'm in the rancher on at the cabin yeah 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 so it's like that it was like that all the time and then it it culminated pretty much um, this haunting with um, I, I, I stopped sleeping. I couldn't go to sleep because you were bothered nightly um, by this entity. Uh, you couldn't sleep. It wouldn't allow you to sleep. It, it, it was. It was. I got to a point where I didn't know if I was dreaming or if I was awake because I, I wasn't getting any sleep. Um, I stopped really communicating with with other family members because nobody believed me. You know, like my mom believed me because she smelled stuff and she sensed that something wasn't right with the place. Like nobody wanted to be alone in that place um, because you just felt odd, right? Um, But I stopped communicating with people pretty much and uh, it culminated with, uh, I was in the shower and I locked the doors to the shower because I don't want people walking in on me, you know. Um, yeah. I had sisters and stuff, older sisters that really don't understand boundaries. So, you know, they would just open doors on you and laugh at you and stuff. But uh, I I was in the shower and I always put the towel next next on the toilet next to the shower. Mm-hmm. And um, I had heard movement inside the house like somebody was walking down the hall and it was loud which was not very unusual for my sisters they all 
they all walk very heavy, like they're, you know, like they're on a mission or something, but really all they're going to do is, you know, walk down the hallway and yell at you or something. But um, I heard that, and I was like, oh, one of my older sisters must have come by, and they're just looking to see where I'm at or whatever. So I yelled out, you know, hello, and didn't hear anything back. And then, um, and then you know, like when you're in the shower and somebody opens the door, you can feel that cold breeze sort of come over the top of the shower. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the curtain itself will actually move because the suction in the room has, has changed, the air airflow in the room has changed. Mm-hmm. Well, that had happened, so I, um, you know, I said hello again, and but this time, you know, my tone was a, a bit more aggressive because, you know, I thought it was one of my sisters messing with me. And um, I turned the shower off and, you know, yanked the curtain over and, and looked out and, the the towel was over near the door, and I hadn't put it there. Uh-huh. I put it on the on the seat, the toilet seat, and the door was ajar, the the uh, bathroom door. Mm-hmm. So so you know I got out of the shower, you know, got the towel, towel myself off, and kept yelling hello for one of my sisters, and nobody was there. The door front door was locked. Uh, the the back porch door was locked, and nobody had been in that apartment. It was just me, and it freaked me out enough where I actually I got a train ticket um, to go to New York to stay with a buddy of mine, uh, Eric, in uh, New York for a few weeks. Uh, so the whole time that we were living in this apartment, my my dad had actually retired from the Marine Corps, and he was mm-hmm. building a house. That's why we were we were living in this apartment at the time. Um, and I was basically, I, at that point, I said, I can't stay in this a- apartment anymore. It's, it's killing me mentally. I can't sleep. Um, I'm up all the time. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm unable to, to be, you know, a contributing member of this family or a contributing member of society at this point. So I actually got into, uh, uh, or got a, a, a train, got on the train and went to New York and basically waited out the lease on the apartment. And, and until my parents had moved into uh, into the new house, and uh, and that's what sort of got me into to the paranormal side of things. It got me believing that there's more to this than just you know uh, you're alive and then you're buried in the ground. So nobody else felt like depression or anything like that when they're. In, I know you said your mom felt like the house wasn't right, but. Anybody else feel different? Like were they were yeah, there, so there, there, there my change sister, when they got so to the house you, compared to being outside? Yeah, oh yeah. When you left the house you felt fine. But you dreaded mm-hmm. going back to the house and it wasn't only me. My dad, he never really admitted his true feelings. Um and he you know, as far as ghosts and all that stuff is concerned, he'd tell you bullshit, right? But mm-hmm. Everybody dreaded being at that house, and my dad was sort of a homebody. He, mm-hmm. but he was never there, ever. He worked later at work than he'd ever worked, because um, after he retired from the Marine Corps, he just took over his billet as a government employee, mm-hmm. the same position basically as a government employee, and and he just worked more more time at work, and and on the weekends they spent more time out places and the and the kicker of this too is my sister at the time i was i had just turned 18 and my little sister was 16 years old and my parents 
allowed her to live with her boyfriend, and she was still in high school. And that was oh, wow. a no-no. I mean, none of my other sisters, my two older sisters, weren't allowed to do that. Um, and, you know, my parents weren't loosey-goosey like that either. So mm-hmm. um, so there was definitely a change in the dynamic of the of the family and a change in, in, in our uh, – it, it, it was almost like a known thing. Like, there's something messed up here, but nobody really, really spoke about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, my mom, she's not alive anymore, but when she, when she was alive, the, the one thing she looked back on is when we, when they were moving out of that, that apartment, I wasn't, I wasn't there. I was, I was actually in New York cause I couldn't stand it anymore. Um, the, she wouldn't leave the front door closed and she was chucking things at the end. She was basically chucking things out onto the, the porch of this apartment because she didn't want to, you know, anything that was in the apartment, they, we all, we, uh, not we, but um, the the people that were helping move, uh, you know, like my my sister's boyfriends and stuff like that, um, moved everything to the front room of, of this apartment. And as night fell on the apartment, my mom was the last person there because she was going to clean stuff so they can get the deposit back or whatever. And... Uh, she said, "F that man." She she started chucking stuff out out the front door. She she actually stood in the threshold of the front door, you know, between the outside and inside of the front door, and just started chucking mm-hmm. what she could grab out. Everything else just stayed inside until until they could retrieve it when it was daylight again. Because the place is that creepy. It was a creepy place. And what's funny is those used to be apartments. And uh, yeah. now it's the villages of Quaya. Now they're condos, and I've always wanted to go back and ask, but I don't want to creep out whoever owns it now. Yeah, yeah, you don't want you don't want, you don't want to freak them out. Right. We'll, be, we'll be curious to to try up go in there with a with a recorder. Now that you're yeah. better prepared for uh, for your uh, for the experience. So uh, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Is um, is your dad still alive? No, oh, no, no. They're they're both. Passed. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Was you, once you started doing, was he around when you started doing the investigating? Did you get to see what you were doing? Did did have an opinion on it, or how did his no, change no. after a while? Um, not really. No, my my parents. I mean, when I started to to do, you know, like going to cemeteries and trying to get mm-hmm. EVPs or, you know, just feeling stuff out, you know. I mean. My dad was never into any kind of stuff like that. My mom, she's you know she she grew up in Elyria, uh, uh, Ohio, and she swore mm-hmm. the place that she grew up in was haunted. So she she had a belief in it. Her mom, her mom, my grandmother did tarot and stuff like that. So uh, my mom was more open to to the spiritual spiritual and haunted stuff than than my father was. So she could talk to her about what's going on. Did she uh, was she someone like you can confide in about like the problems you're having or? Oh yeah, you were there? definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know about the creepy stuff. And at the time, I was dating a girl who who didn't believe in in the stuff. But you know, and I, I probably did seem insane because I mean, you know, oh, I'm hearing my voice, or I'm hearing a voice out of nowhere. You know, like. And this is not stuff that I had ever, you know, experienced in my life, you know? Yeah. So. I think, uh, well, I think back then when it wasn't as commonly 
recently on social media, you can talk and you can discuss things and you can talk about hearing voices and stuff in the house and not seem as crazy as maybe you did before. Right. Um, when social media was kind of in its, its younger stages. Yeah, you still get the naysayers, and and I tell people I'm still sort I'm still really a skeptic, because in, mm-hmm. even though I, I I've caught in, uh, I've caught voices. I was with Dennis at um, uh, oh damn it, what what is the place called uh, down in Blacksburg? St Albans. St Albans, and it, Dennis and I saw a shadow figure walk right across the room. Both of us saw it. So I mean I've seen things, but I'm still a skeptic. Because, and I'm a skeptic. I'm not a skeptic of uh, what I see or, or the evidence that I've gathered. I'm a skeptic, skeptic of other people's experiences. And I think that anybody really should be because unless yeah. unless you've been there, investigated, because, and, and, you know, you could have a group and somebody's whispering in the background and you swear, oh, this, you know, this room is haunted, but it's really one of somebody in your group that was whispering and they just didn't own up to it or something, you know? Yeah, when we put evidence out there, we're really putting, like, telling people to trust us and say, hey, this is what happened. And we're, right. we're putting our, yeah. Well, and, you yeah. know, it also could be unintentional. You know, like you said, someone's not copying up to it or is embarrassed right. or that they they're going to be rumbled. It, and, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why if I don't listen, if I listen to evidence, like, right away, especially after a public investigation, I just mm-hmm. don't even put it out because, right. I mean, I don't. After a while, you don't remember who was talking or 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 what, so you just kind of like scrap it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And throw it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it's good to be skeptical when, you, especially when you go on an investigation by yourself, and mm-hmm. you know, when you go to a place, how do you like calm yourself, calm calm your nerves to go into a place by yourself and not like freak out and whenever you hear any little noise, what do you do? What do you, how do you prepare yourself for? Is it just something you could, you could just do without having to, uh, pair? All right. So there's two things I do, right? One, I pretend like I'm not there. Um, I just put myself in my mind. I put myself somewhere else. Like I, I really, I just pretend like I'm not in this creepy asylum or this creepy cabin and this shit is not really going on because I hear stuff. I'll hear voices. I'll I'll feel like they've been touched. Um, as a matter of fact, I was standing in the basement of the rancher with Dennis, and Dennis has explained to me stuff that's happened down there with different groups and stuff. And I I had to interject and stop Dennis, and I said, "Hey, man, I just got touched on my neck." <laughs> and then not but two minutes later, uh, you know, Dennis is still tell me stories and I'm getting touched on my arm and I'm like, holy shit, man. I've just heard all these stories about stuff that's happened to people and I've already been touched and it's not even, the sun hasn't even set yet and I've got to be here alone tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the, right. the first thing I do is I pretend like I'm not there. And then when I was mm-hmm. a kid, I don't know if other kids did this or if it's just me, but when I was a kid and I was like alone in the house you know, like little kid, I would make, I would be in like, let's say I was scared to go downstairs in the basement or something, right? Because it's dark down there and, and you know, you're going down there alone and basements has always had this, like this lore associated with them. You know, they're creepy, you know, yeah. Dark basement basement. Yeah. 
And what I would do is I would talk loudly or sing a song or something when I would go down the stairs. Almost like, you know, if you don't know I'm coming, I'm coming. But the no- me making the noise also cancels out other noises that might yeah. scare me. Absolutely. So uh, the other thing I do when I'm in these places is I'll talk to myself. Unless I'm doing EVP work or I'm actively recording myself for for my YouTube channel or just for evidence, um, I'll talk to myself. To, At least then you know you're having an intelligent conversation. Right, exactly. <laughs> 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 but And the other thing, too, is I, and I don't know if you guys have noticed or, or how far you've gotten into any of my videos, is I, I make a lot of sighing noises, mm-hmm. like I'll sigh or... You'll you really have to listen for it next time you you listen you watch a video, um, but those are really those are nervous sighs because it's I really am nervous and I want to run a lot of times but I actually have ran I ran right out of the cabin you can ask Dennis I called Dennis up and said I'm done. <laughs> well, yeah, I think yeah he called me he he told me that that you that you were didn't quite make make the night but you pretty got pretty, you got some pretty pretty good evidence out there. Um, I think oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I was up in the room of the cabin, uh, up in that uh, the upstairs bedroom area with the with the bathroom associated with it. And uh, I was just doing call-outs, and I wasn't really sure, you know, what the history was there, whether it's the land or the cabin itself or, or what, right? Mm-hmm. And... And my batteries, my, my equipment was draining. Because usually what I'll do is I'll set up two cameras, so that way people can't say, oh, you did that, you edited it, or you cut it, or whatever. Cause I, and that's the other thing I do, is I do 30-minute videos uncut. Because I, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Most of these YouTube channels that are doing, uh, and not, not actual paranormal groups that I know of, but these, some of these YouTube guys and, and gals, They'll put so many edits in, or they'll reverse they'll reverse things so it looks like something was thrown at them, but really they're throwing it away from them. Um, or they'll do something like they'll they'll focus in on a wall and do like a quick turn, so that way they can put that same edit in. You know, so they they can basically yeah. stop the video, go and move something, or hang a sheet up on a lamp, or move a a fan to get a fan spinning. And then they'll start the video again at that same point in the wall and make that turn so it looks like, oh, the ghost just moved the fan or, you know, whatever. So I do uncut 30-minute videos just for that reason so people can't say I'm doing that. And then on top of that, uh, well, so on that is I was in that upstairs room and my all my equipment started draining. Uh, my One of my cameras, com- the battery completely died, and as soon as I turned on the other camera – you know, I'm talking about, well, you know, it's said that, that this may have been a brothel at some point, and, and right when I said that, it's like it angered something, and my backpack flew off of the chair. And I was so, so in awe about it happening, because I saw it with my own eyes, that I didn't turn the damn camera around. So, mm-hmm. so when I did turn the camera around, you're seeing the, you know, what had, what had just happened, and and if you yeah. if you really put it in perspective and you watch earlier in the video, there's no way that backpack could have landed as far away as it did and the way that it did on the ground. 
because it would have been top heavy and it would have just fell forward mm-hmm. and not two yeah. feet away from the chair. And that scared me. And after that was done, I'm not. After that was done, I turned that camera off and I booked it out of that cabin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I could tell you're a little bit rattled when when that, when that happened. Uh, yeah. And it sucks because you you obviously you're not prepared for something like that to happen. So when right. it does happen, you know, you know, it's not hard to like instinctively turn around and look at it, you know, because it's like you're not you're not expecting something like that to happen. So you can have something happen in the same room as you, but your camera could be over here. It happens behind you, and you're not going to catch it. Right. And but the thing is, is it, Right before that happened, I had two cameras in that room on me, and the camera that should have caught it completely drained. Wow. It's like the battery. Like the so, spirit's new. They're like, yeah, we're not going to let you catch this. Is, this is for you. We're not going to let you catch this on camera. Right. So, hey, we'll, give this, we'll give you this little experience. Yeah. It, 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 that scared me. I'll, I'll tell you, it scared me. And, I, and, I, and I've been back to the cabin since then. The second time I went back, I went right back up to that room. And I was prepared, and I, I and I use I don't like using necrophonic. I know a lot of people do use it because necrophonic oh, is a word like bank. And yeah, it's enjoy it. Be, but the thing is, is with necrophonic, um, I've gotten I've been to places where I've gotten like complete nonsense. Like, doesn't make any sense to the location I'm at. It doesn't tell me anything pertinent. Nothing, right? But when I was yeah. at the cabin and I used necrophonic, and I and I like to use it because it does have to add a creep factor to my videos. Um, I mean, not I mean it's creepy. So you got a guy alone in the dark. That's pretty creepy. Um, yeah. Whether whether it's the location or just me being there alone in the dark, I'm pretty sure there's people out there that the guy's a 40 year old creep just sitting in the dark by himself. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, talking to himself uh, in the dark. It's, you know. Yeah, I, I wasn't getting I wasn't getting a lot on on the spirit box, so I said, oh, well, let me try the necrophonic app. So I laid the necrophonic app down, and there's that bell up there, that service bell up in the mm-hmm. the uh, that room up there in the cabin. And what was that? Oh, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I am at work. Well, so I work 24-7, but my, I have to keep my radio on while we do the show. Surprised you can hear it. In case there is a call. So you're, oh. hearing, you're picking up the radio in the background, so I apologize. That's weird. I didn't think I hear, hear yeah. it in the background. So, so that oh. one was kind of loud. Oh, it's, it's okay. Um, but there's a service bell up there in the in the cabin, in that room. And, mm-hmm. and I said, okay, Necrophonic, tell me what sound this is making. And I hit that service bell. And it goes, ring, uh-huh. right? And I was like, what the hell, right? So well, I go. said, okay, that's probably a fluke. So I did it again, and it, it does ring, right? It did it three times, ring three times. And I was like, well, that's kind of legit, because I rang that bell three times. And yeah. so I'm still up in the air, really. With I don't know if ghosts can or spirits can um, can manipulate like that, I, I do think they can manipulate things, but I'm not sure if it's just, you know, the app, you know, because it says my name sometimes. And but the thing is, is I say my name all. People say my name around me. I don't know if the app is is actively listening. I, I mean, I've looked. It, uh-huh. It's not running all the time. But um, I mean, I'd like to know more about the app. Uh, I haven't really done any research on it, but 
I prefer the Spirit Box over over using apps. We took the uh, that the Necrophonic out to the cold cold uh, to Cold Harbor Battlefield. Yeah. We uh, we sat we sat one of the little visitor parking lots, you know, overlooking the battlefield. And Angie asked, uh, "What happened out here?" And you get a female voice come in, come back, said, "Look, it's in the museum." That was an EVP. That wasn't the Necrophonics, though. It was. Yeah, uh, that was a, said, uh, you hear a female voice saying, "It's in the museum." I think like, correct. It was EVP over the yeah. Necrophonic, but yeah, we had the Necrophonic going. And we, you're right. Most of the time, you know, we do get a bunch of like nonsense, but we, or occasionally we do get words that that go with what we were talking about, not just right. the fact that we're there, but it actually goes with the conversation that that we're having um, yeah. in there. I think Angie's, I think Angie's got a question. I yeah. Well, so, and I apologize if you've already touched on this. It's just something that I'm curious to know. And I did miss, like, the first few minutes of the conversation because I had to go take care of something. But what drove you or what interests you in doing it by yourself? And I kind of wondered that with these um, the people that do do that is, you know, is it just something of personal preference or do you enjoy doing it in a group as well or not so much? You just like you because you are in control and you know what's going on around you. Yeah, so it's a control factor. Um, I like to, I I want as much control in the environment as possible. I don't like, I don't like contamination, right? Yeah. Um, So that's why I do it by myself. And, And on top of that, and I didn't really think of the by myself. I was like, man, I really want like a buddy to do it with me or whatever, because it's scary. You know, I mean, even if it's, even if all of this is, you know, radio waves or, you know, we're just picking up shit that, you know, is, is present all the time in the air and it's not spiritual. Right. Um, it, it's still scary. I mean, you're in an old-ass building, and people got all kinds of stories about it, and being alone is not a fun thing, especially when you let your mind start thinking. When you start thinking and you're in your head, shit gets scarier, right? Yeah. Um, so it was that. It was the – it was it, – it was – I don't want to – I don't want to do it alone because, because of the scariness of it, but at the same time, I watch – I watch a lot of YouTube, and I watch – even these TV shows, I mean, come on, for crying out loud, a lot of these TV shows are so full of shit. Um, you know, the, doing it alone, I'm able to control. You know, yeah. so the, the area is not contaminated, and, I, and, no, and there's nobody there that was whispering, unless it was me, or you hear the noise from outside. So there's, there's a control aspect. And, and I also wanted to make it as authentic as possible, because you've got these people out on YouTube, and... Um, other, you know, uh, social media platforms that are putting out videos and all they're doing is camera tricks or using magic string. So, um, so that's, that's, that's why I do it like that. Um, uh, cause it, but I, I can do it with a group and that's why I joined crop. I like Dennis. Mm-hmm. I like that group. Um, and, and I, and I, I, you know, it's good to be able to bounce things off other investigators too, because, yeah. Um, you may hear something like, for instance, I we were at Pamplin Park and I thought for sure I heard whistling. And another one of the investigators was like, I didn't hear any whistling, and I started asking around, and I was like, well, shit, maybe I'm crazy because <laughs> I heard whistling. <laughs> 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 
I mean, to be fair, we're all a little crazy. Yeah, we do talk to ourselves in the dark, so that's, that's you know. Yes. Yeah. I so, think when you do, yeah. I think we're going back to what you were saying earlier about like, going into the dark by yourself. It's always, you know, the unknown is always scary or a little nerve-wracking at least. So when you're oh, in yeah. a house by yourself in the dark, it's uh, it's tough to is it tough to remain focused on what you're doing when you're like when you kind of when you got like I guess fear kind of getting into it as well. Right, you get hurried when you're afraid. Was there, yeah. is there what, what's been your like what's been your like scariest like place where you've been like you went in there just nervous and you just. So believe it or not, the scariest, um, and I haven't released the video yet, but I was in St. Albans again. I, I had rented it out, and I was there with um, Death Wish Paranormal, who's another uh, really good team um, out of the St. Charles City area of uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was there with them. They, they've actually done the Cabin on 360. They've done a few videos of that. Um, but uh, I was there with them, and it's a lot different when Dennis ain't with you. Um, sort of be that guiding hand, and you're in the basement alone. <laughs> Man, it's uh, yeah. all the hair standing up on the back of your neck, um, and you could tell my my breath. Um, and I wasn't out of breath at all, but uh, mm-hmm. the, just the way I was talking, and it was choppy, and I my mind wasn't really right because of you know the last time I was there, actually Gene uh, with Crop, he. Uh, um, him and Crystal actually they they got chased out of the basement. They heard footsteps coming up behind them, and um, and that's that's a scary thing, you know. Uh, knowing that and going back alone, and I wasn't really alone. I was there with Deathless Paranormal, but they were in another section of the building doing their own thing. Because you know, my thing is I like to be alone. I want to make sure yeah. that it's between myself and other investigators. Um, it, it, most of the time I do go to locations alone, but if I do go with other investigators, I want that distance so that way that their voices aren't going to carry over into my investigation and, and cause false EVPs or false positives. Yeah, some places you go, you you feel alone, and in other places you go, you feel really alone. Right. And I, think I mean, all as far as serious, you're alone there. It's, yeah. You know. But – as far as scariest, I mean, every time that I've interacted with the paranormal, it's been the scariest time. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's things that have happened. I, you know, I, I did a investigation years ago, like 15 years ago, I believe it was, 15 or 16 years ago in, in New York in a cemetery. And uh, just we, we heard – I was there with another investigator, and we heard screaming like howling screams that were, they sounded disembodied. Like there's no way this, this was coming from a human being and they were localized to the cemetery themselves. And that was, that was fear. I mean, that was straight fear. I mean, I, I, we, we got out of there. There was no way we were staying. Yeah. Oh my God. I bet your blood ran cold. That, that, oh. man, that freaks me out just even thinking about that. I would, yeah. I, I'm already on edge. And I'll yeah, but I'm really but, on edge. But like I said, every every experience when you're going into you know dealing with the paranormal, in my opinion, every every time's the scariest time, 
Because you don't mm-hmm. going into it, you have no clue what's going to happen. And then afterwards, if nothing happened, if you think nothing happened, like I went, I was in the rancher, and I thought nothing. I thought the man it was just a silent night, you know. And mm-hmm. I was in Melissa's room, and I I caught an exasperated breath, and that wasn't me. That was that was just uh, I guess she wanted me out of her room. Um, I also said to, said in in that back room there that has the other fireplace. I said. Yeah, you know, I'm just alone tonight. And I heard someone say, you're not alone. I heard that with my own ears. But I thought, well, you know, I'm probably in my own head. But when I went back and listened yeah. to the evidence, I heard it say, you're not alone. And that's that that runs, that puts chills right down your spine because you're thinking the whole time that, you know, shit, I got off scot-free because, you know, nothing happened, you know. But shit's happening whether you whether you know it or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of times I'll, I'll we'll, we'll go we'll do an investigation, and we'll be like, yeah, it was fun, it was all right, you know, didn't get much, you know, heard some yeah. things, but nothing, nothing really. And then you go back and listen to the EVPs, like, holy crap. Yeah, exactly. They were definitely there. Yeah. And uh, I'm gearing up right now, so I'm going to do some lives and some. I'm actually in upstate New York right now, um, mm-hmm. and I'm up here to do some investigations of, of a couple cemeteries. And uh, do some lives um, as well as uh, nice. private footage, and then um, I'm going to be doing Rolling Hills Asylum tomorrow. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, I. It was one of those deals. You you know, mid midweek. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I want to do that by myself. That's that's uh. Yeah. I'm going with a limited group, but I'm going to be doing. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, they don't actually Rolling Hills Asylum. Just so you know, you can't mm-hmm. you can't do it alone. That you have to. It has to be two people. I think there's like some safety measures, and then also they have security on site, sort of like they do at St. Albans. Um, but I will be going alone, like away from the group, to do my own thing. Um, yeah. See, so, you know, so it's not contaminated. I mean, we're talking about twenty eight. I think it's twenty eight thousand square feet of space. So there's plenty of space to roam alone. Um, yeah. But that, that room. from what I understand, there's uh, Rolling Hills is supposed to be a pretty haunted place, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about the shows. I remember like watching Ghost Adventures out there, uh, yeah. and they got a lot of lot of good good stuff out there at that at yeah. that location. Yeah. Um, what do you think is your best piece of evidence you've you've captured? So oh, that's, yeah, that's, it still makes you go like, crap, this is really, really good. So I tell people all the time, um, if you don't believe in the paranormal, or at least in EVPs, just listen to, put your headphones on, jack the volume up, and watch my video. Because when I hear something, I put it on there, because I hear it, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. adding stuff, I'm not, I'm not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes or any of that crap, I'm just a, a regular dude. 40 years old. I got nothing to prove to nobody. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to prove. Well, well, I do have something to prove to somebody and or people that most of the YouTubers are full of shit, and all they're doing is putting out fake stuff and putting cuts and edits in, and you know, fooling people, right? But the best EVP evidence that that I think I've, or not EVP, but the the best spirit box session I ever did was at Mary's Heights um, in Fredericksburg. Um, I did a, a quick walkthrough, and I asked. Well, first, I, first you hear on on EVP, you hear hello, 
as I'm walking away, I set the recorder down, I was walking right away, and you hear hello, and I purposely did my spirit box session far enough away from my recorder so I didn't interfere with the other two, or didn't interfere between the two. So mm-hmm. I'm doing a spirit box session on camera, and I said, tell me about the battle, and you hear the spirit box, bloody battle, as clear as day. And for where I was at and for for the response that I got, I think that was the best response I've probably ever gotten. But but that's really for that location because I've been to other locations and I've gotten EVPs. I've gotten EVPs at the rancher. I've gotten EVPs at the cabin. I've gotten EVPs out in the in the way back at the of the woods at the cabin um, mm-hmm. at St Albans uh, in cemeteries here, you know near and far and at even at people's houses. I did a private investigation for a lady um, in um, Caroline County out near Lake Anna, um, and we had left the house. And I did sort of like an abandonment type thing um, where, you know, I just set up some recorders and and we left the house. And you hear somebody calling her cat. And the best part about it is this is on a recorder. I had a night vision camera going, and you can see the cat react to it being called. So, oh, wow. So I've gotten some great I've I've gotten some great evidence out there, and I, mean, I also want to go back and say that I'm not saying all YouTubers are faking. I'm just saying there's there's some, and they know who they are, and I don't have any beef with anybody. I'm just saying they they honestly know who they are, that they're adding edits and stuff like that. I don't want to be that guy. Well, I mean, you know, they should they if they they know who they are, they shouldn't be complaining about someone calling mm-hmm. them out. You know, they shouldn't be doing that shit in the first place. Um, sure. We're getting close to the. We're getting close to the end of the show, and Angie has a question that she loves to ask people. My favorite question. Okay. What is on your paranormal bucket list? What are those top three places that you have to get to? If money wasn't an option and transportation didn't matter, where are you going? So – uh, I've got a, so I want to go to Bobby Mackey's, and that's I can get there if I need to, but Bobby Mackey's I want to do, and I but I want to I don't want to do just the one night thing. I want to do like a whole week there, um, because I've you know I've I've watched you know ghost adventures and ghost shows and and YouTube channels people have done it, um, mm-hmm. and it just seems like it, it seems like it'd be a playground. It's sort of like the cabin, right? It's it's yeah. basically a paranormal paranormal research center, right? Um, and then the other place that I'd, I'd really like to do is um, uh, the uh, it's the the ship that's dry docked out there in California. Um, the, Queen, the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary. Yeah. I would, I would love to investigate the Queen Mary, um, but I'd like to have it to myself. And I know that'd be super, super expensive. So probably not going to happen. You better win a couple of lotteries to to book that ship by itself. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, and 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 the uh, I would have to say any castle, medieval castle, overseas, in which I'm in, you know, UK, or even Germany. Um, I would love to investigate, just have a night, or or even even do a Leap Mansion in Ireland. Oh yeah. Um, those would be my. I, any any of those would be a, a, 
a, a bucket lister for me. Good answer. Well, I, I, I like I, it. Yeah, I definitely uh, concur with your answers. I've, though, I've never actually not concurred with anybody's answers before, so. <laughs> um, you weren't the there? Really? Oh, my God. Gross. I don't know of any other places um, locally that I haven't touched. And, you know, locally, I mean in Virginia, right, that I haven't, yeah, that yeah. I haven't touched. Um, but, you know, it is hard. It's really tough to get um, – I'm just going to say this because, you know, and I'm hoping that you have other people, you know, besides just paranormal enthusiasts um, that draw interest. But it's so hard. People say, and you you can probably agree with this, like on Facebook and whatnot, oh, my house is haunted. And then you'll reach out to them and say, oh, look, I do this for free. I love the paranormal. I'll, I'll try to help you as best I can. And it's like, oh, no, we don't need anybody to investigate our house. We're just really scared, and we like to talk about it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why are, you, why are you putting it out there? Don't, don't, you can't do that. They do all the time. And you I, can't be and that I'll scared write them I'll write them directly on Facebook. I don't even worry about doing it in the groups. I write them directly, and I say, hey, look, I'll come out. I'll check it out for you and see what's going on. And, and, and you know, if I can't help you, I'm sure I could find somebody who can, you know? So makes you wonder how much of it's actually true. Like, is yeah. they really haunted, or right. you know, it's just trying to get popular on Facebook. Well, most of it's just they're trying to get, trying to get popular on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. So we're got three minutes left to go on the show. It's, it's always, I always go always go by so fast. Um, how how do people get in touch with you? How uh, how can they find your videos and? I've shared your page on my YouTube, on my on my Facebook page, but uh, for those of you people who aren't my friends on Facebook, uh, what's your problem? Exactly, what's wrong with what's wrong with you? What's, what's wrong with your life? Uh, how how do people get in touch with you or watch your videos and stuff? So uh, I have on YouTube, I'm Burning Daylight Paranormal, and then I have a uh, uh, on Facebook, I'm Burning Daylight Paranormal as well. Um, and mm-hmm. then, of course, on Instagram, I'm Burning Daylight. So um, I pretty much got the same message across the across the social media pl- platforms. And um, and if you can't get a hold of me through there, um, you got Commonwealth Research, you got Crop. So I'm also part of part of that group, and there's great investigators there as well. So yes, I am excited. Um, hopefully, you'll be able to come out to one of the events we have up coming up at the cabin. Here, uh, you know, we got one in July and then the other one in uh, August and then September. So hopefully, yeah, I'm gonna try to make it as I can because I, I I enjoy I enjoy being at the cabin and and trying to pick up more and more uh, you know paranormal evidence basically. So yeah, well, we're doing a seance on the 31st, so you definitely want to come out for that. That's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. You get to see yeah, it, uh, it riled up out there. So I'm cool. excited to finally meet you in a couple weeks, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Okay, hey, thank I you so much time. for coming thank on the show. Yeah. All right, man. You take care of yourself. Thanks. All right, you too. All right, bye. bye. Well, good luck tomorrow too. Good luck tomorrow. Oh, thank you. All right, man. Take, take care. Be All safe. Right, bye. Bye. So next week, thank you, John Clemp, first of all, for coming on the show with us. I we certainly appreciate it. Um, 
Next week, we've got a bit of a doubleheader. Um, Tuesday, we are talking to Lyle Lotz yeah. and maybe his, his crew from Twisted Haunted Nights, Twisted Paranormal and Haunted Nights. So we're talking about what he has coming up. Um, he's the 24th. He's going to be at Tuckahoe Plantation, which I am, uh, wish I could go to.